And now we'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 1. So please turn there. It's quite close to the end of your Bibles. So it's Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Just a short one. Hear the word of the Lord. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Good evening. It's a delight to be here with you all once again in God's word. Tonight, we are on the final sermon in our Q&A series, which we've been running for over the past month and a half. And so we've covered many good questions so far, and you can access those online if you go to our website, and I recommend you do so. It's great. There's lots of edifying messages there that you can be encouraged by, so please go back and listen to them. But tonight, we are concluding the series with this question. Does God really speak to us? Does God really speak to us? If you have been to a church other than this one, there is a high chance that you have uh, entered a church that practices something known as prophesying. Someone may have approached you, maybe during the time of musical worship or after the service, and maybe said something to you like, I have a word from the Lord for you, and continued maybe to declare something about your future or maybe something about God's plans for you. Now, practices like this are encouraged by many churches around the world, and if you've been in a church like this, it is probably a Pentecostal or charismatic church. There are approximately 644 million professing Christians in the world today that belong to churches that go by the name Pentecostal or charismatic. That's 644 million. The name Pentecostal explains very well the distinctive beliefs that these Christians hold. Namely, that the way that the Holy Spirit worked in the book of Acts in the New Testament and worked on the day of Pentecost, which we see in Acts chapter 2, he works the exact same way today. Now, this includes specifically the giving of the spiritual gifts of tongues, which is speaking unknown or heavenly language by the Holy Spirit. Also the giving of the gift of prophecy, God divinely speaking through his people by the Holy Spirit. The ability to interpret tongues, the ability to do miracles, and the ability to perform miraculous healing more or less on command. So those in Pentecostal and charismatic churches claim that these things are still for believers today, as they were in the New Testament church. Now, this strand of teaching is called continuationism. It's a big word, continuationism, meaning that these gifts continue to be available for believers today. 
Now, the opposing belief to continuationism is called cessationism, meaning that these gifts have ceased for believers since the time of the apostles. And we're given, namely, to confirm the revelation that God gave in the early church, which is Scripture. Now, importantly, consistent continuationists or Pentecostal charismatics claim that those who deny that those spiritual gifts are for today, those who deny this, are guilty of quenching the Holy Spirit and despising prophecy, which is 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Now, to continuationists, a denial of such gifts, specifically prophecy, is often tantamount to claiming that God doesn't speak or work in his people by his Holy Spirit today. Essentially, God is quiet. Subsequently, many also believe that cessationists, which includes Reformed Christians, have a dead faith in denying the Spirit's work. And they claim rather to hold practically to a rather revised version of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. The claim is that cessationists believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't really work or speak to Christians today. Now we need to ask the question, is this true? Is this what biblical cessationists truly believe? And the big question is, does God really speak to believers today? And as a biblical cessationist, I'll seek to answer this question by showing firstly that God has spoken in his word. And then secondly, we will see if and how God still speaks. So our first point is going to be, God has spoken in his word, and the second, God still speaks. So let's look at that first point, that God has spoken in his word. If you have a Bible, would you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 16 with me? This passage is central to understanding the Bible. If you've got 2 Timothy there, please turn to chapter 2, sorry, chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is breathed out by God. This is really important to grasp, that God has spoken in his word. Every word that comes to us in the pages of the Old and New Testaments are God's breathed out word. God is the source of every word. And this word breathed out is an important one. In the Greek, it's a compound word, theopneustos, which Don't worry about that too much. But theo means God. Neustos means breathed. And it's God's, it has reference to God's Holy Spirit. It's God's Holy Spirit given word that's coming to us in the Bible. In the Greek, the word for spirit is pneuma, which is linked with neustos, theopneustos. God breathed 
It's God's spirit-given word that's given to us as Christians. Now, this is confirmed by other passages in the Bible, such as 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, which says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, we can be sure that every word of Scripture that we have are the very words of God given by His Holy Spirit through men. Following on from this, seeing that every word of Scripture is God's word, we need to see that God gave miracles and miraculous spiritual gifts in the Bible, such as prophecy and tongues. And this is important to confirm that these are his very words as they're being given to the New Testament church. Now, God attested to the authenticity of his word through the working of miracles and miraculous spiritual gifts in the New Testament. We see this pattern in the New Testament flowing out of Jesus' earthly ministry. We see that Jesus, in his earthly ministry, performed many miracles And we see why Jesus performed these miracles in John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31. If you want to write this down as you go along, you can look back later. John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31, show why Jesus performed these miracles. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The purpose of his miracles was to lead people to believe that Jesus was truly the Son of God. They were to attest to the authenticity of who he really was. That's what the miracles were for, to show that his identity and message is truly from God. And this same pattern was carried on by Jesus' chosen messengers, the apostles, who would declare his gospel with accompanying miracles and miraculous gifts to show the divine origin of the message as it was first being given to the early church. See, for example, this clearly in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 to 4. It says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, distributed according to his will. God bore witness to his message, specifically, as we see here, through signs wonders, miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is key. This is key. Don't miss this. God bore witness to the message of salvation in Christ Jesus by giving signs, wonders, miracles, and spiritual gifts to the apostles and early New Testament Christians, who are from verse 3, those who heard. As they proclaimed this message, God attested to its authenticity by performing miracles by the Holy Spirit. And the main line for, uh, for reasoning for biblical cessationism 
is that as God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ was established and laid down through the apostles, written down in what we now have as the Bible, the sign gifts of healing, tongues, miracles, and prophecy slowly began to cease because the purpose for which they were given was coming to an end. As the New Testament scripture, the prophecy of the apostles was written down, there was no longer any need for these gifts to confirm the message. And we see this confirmed in other places of scripture, that it was the words of the apostles that were to be the foundation of the church. In other words, the Bible is to be the foundation of God's church. Ephesians 2 verses 19 to 21, the apostle Paul says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You also get similar language to this in Revelation 21, speaking of the foundations of the apostles being the foundation for God's church, namely the word of God in the Bible. Now, it makes sense that as God is laying his foundations, laying his foundations of his church, revealing his word through apostles and prophets, that he attests to it and approves of it through signs, wonders, and spiritual gifts. But now that the foundations are laid, now that we have God's word in the New Testament, there is no need for those gifts. One final crucial passage on this topic is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. Let's read that together. If you have a Bible, please turn there. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. With the, with the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection and the exaltation of Jesus Christ, God's final word has come to man. God spoke in both the Old and New Testaments. But as we see here in Hebrews chapter 1, Christ is the climax, the pinnacle, and the grand finale of God speaking. The writer of Hebrews uses contrast to show the superiority and finality of God's revelation to mankind in Christ Jesus. God granted previous special revelation through prophets, but now has spoken by his son. They were men, but he is the creator of the universe. The key is showing that what we have in the New Testament is Christ. This is key. What we have in the New Testament is Christ. And it's what God fully and finally intends to reveal for his people. Christ is the climax of God speaking. 
and he has spoken to us in these last days by his son. Now, when you combine all the passages we've looked at, we can see that the fundamental reason for cessationism is the sufficiency of Jesus Christ revealed in the word of God. The fundamental reason for cessationism is the sufficiency of Jesus Christ revealed in the word of God. In Christ, we have God's final revelation for this age. There is no spiritual wisdom that we need to seek outside of biblical revelation in Christ. The purpose for the spiritual gifts of tongues, prophecy, and healing were fulfilled as God gave his final word, the Bible, which reveals Christ Jesus and his glorious gospel to the church. So now we have seen that God has spoken to us in his word. He's breathed out his Bible, given it to us by his Holy Spirit, revealing his son. Therefore, the gifts that accompany these in the days of the New Testament church have ceased. But the question remains, does God really speak to believers today? Well, let's unpack this in the next point, saying that God still speaks. God still speaks. This is the second point, if you're taking notes. How does God speak to us today as believers? Well, I hope it's clear by now. It's through his word. The Bible is where we are to hear God speaking to us. For that is where God has already spoken by his Holy Spirit. We're not to expect special revelations and prophetic words as seen in the times of the New Testament, but we're to rest in the words that God has already spoken to us. As in the Bible, God still speaks. Now, some of you might be sitting there and thinking, well, what about the role of the Holy Spirit? What about the role of the Holy Spirit? Are we less spiritual Are we missing out on something by not speaking in tongues or prophesying? Aren't we just feeding into that stigma of being believing in a trinity that's Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures? Isn't isn't this what we believe? Where's the Holy Spirit? Are we less spiritual? Not at all. In fact, it might surprise you to know that the Holy Spirit and his active experiential work in the life of a believer is central to biblical reformed theology and to all who hold to the teaching of Scripture. It might surprise you to know that the reformer John Calvin and even the reformed Puritan John Owen were known as theologians of the Holy Spirit as they prolifically taught, emphasized, and declared the centrality of the Spirit in the life of the believer. In fact, Reformed and biblical Christianity is the most Spirit-filled and living Christianity that exists because it holds out God's Holy Spirit as shown to us in His Holy Spirit-inspired Word. That is what we have as Reformed biblical Christians. God's Holy Spirit is active in us for our whole Christian life. He works in Christians to draw them to Christ. 
He turns hearts from hearts of stone that hate God to hearts of flesh that love Him and hate sin. The Holy Spirit gives believers spiritual gifts, no longer prophecy, tongues, interpretation, and spontaneous healing, but all those gifts that are listed in the New Testament for God's continuing church. He still gives gifts by His Holy Spirit. He makes our hearts sing God's glory. He makes us hate sin. He brings forth fruit in our Christian lives that we may live for His glory. He unites us to Christ, our Savior, and through Christ, by the Holy Spirit, flow all the infinite blessings of life and salvation to the believer. And what we need to see most clearly is that the Holy Spirit persuades and assures us in our hearts that God's Word really is God's Word. God's Holy Spirit operates with God's Holy Spirit-given Word. God's Holy Spirit operates in us with His Holy Spirit-given Word to open our eyes to the truth of Scripture to illuminate our understanding and renew our desires, that we may hear God's word, not just words that were spoken in the past, but hearing scripture as if the living word of God were heard. Hearing God's word as if God was speaking to us face to face. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts. And praise God that we have not just the author of scripture and of life, but we have the Holy Spirit as indweller in us to help us understand and know him. Our very own Westminster Confession of Faith teaches this in chapter one, section five. It says at the end, our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. And this is what the Apostle Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 to 16. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." The Holy Spirit of God must work in us to help us understand, believe, and love God's Word. He must work in us to do that. The same one who spoke the words of Scripture is the same one who is with every single believer to help them hear and understand Scripture. What a glorious and great God we have. He doesn't leave us alone but speaks to us by his word and spirit that we may know and love him.
But before I close, I want to run through some things on what cessationism isn't. What cessationism isn't. Brothers and sisters, cessationism isn't denying the power of the Holy Spirit. We must earnestly seek God in prayer and ask for his Holy Spirit zealously. We need God's Spirit desperately as believers. We should never overreact to what is seen in Pentecostal Christianity and ignore seeking the Spirit altogether. That is unbiblical. We need the Holy Spirit and his power to work in us. And we must pray for such. Biblical cessationism also does not deny that God works miracles and heals miraculously, but rather affirms that God can do such in his mercy and by his mighty power. And we should seek this earnestly in prayer. Biblical cessationism doesn't deny that God can heal or work miracles. Rather, it denies that they are gifts given to people who work them more or less on command as seen in the days of the apostles. We are biblically commanded to pray for the sick. James 5 verses 14 to 15 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. We pray for the sick very often here at Bull Creek, and our elders pray for the sick very often in this way. And we ask often that he would heal in a miraculous way, acknowledging that God can do so for his glory. And acknowledging also that he can use human means. Finally, we need to see that cessationism isn't denying the work of God in his providence. God often works things in such a way by his sovereign, loving, fatherly hand and by his spirit. Often in answers to prayer, miraculous answers to prayer or miraculous answers to needs, he works it in such a way that we see these things, we see these events happen at specific times, the right times in the right way, in ways that leave us going, that was our loving God. We cannot deny that God does these things. He is a good and loving heavenly father who works all things by his fatherly hand in his providence. We must seek to depend on God, knowing that he works in mysterious ways, in love for his children, delighting in God as he shows his love to us in ways that leave us in absolute awe. And we should pray for God to work in such ways. So brothers and sisters, let us leave with the encouragement to seek out speaking our seeking, seek out our speaking and living God. We must seek him. Let us run to him in prayer. Let us see his merciful hand by his providence in the details of our lives. Let us see that he is a loving heavenly father who hears us and answers us and gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can love him. Let us receive the word of God in the Old and New Testaments about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God has testified 
to the truth of his word through extraordinary miracles worked by Jesus Christ and his servants, the apostles. To reject the New Testament and with it the Old Testament, which it interprets and fulfills, is to reject God. To add other prophecies and revelations to the Old and New Testament, saying new revelations of thus says the Lord, is to replace God's word with the teachings of men. There is a helpful documentary that came out recently on this topic, which is called Cessationist. I recommend looking it up. It's fantastic. It's clear and engaging and explains cessationism well. It's worth watching. Also, if you have never explored God's word before, you've never heard God's voice speaking in scripture, never heard about life and salvation that is in Christ Jesus for sinners, please come and speak to me after the service. It is the most glorious thing in the world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have spoken to us. We thank you that you, in your incomprehensible and infinite nature, have revealed your character to us. You have revealed your plans to us, and you have ultimately revealed your Son to us. We praise you that you've given us Christ Jesus. We praise you that you've given us the knowledge of Christ Jesus as revealed in your word, as revealed by your Holy Spirit in our hearts. And we pray, Lord God, that we would have faith in your word, resting upon it by your Holy Spirit at work in us and help us to desire you and delight in you above all other things, hearing your word as your word as you, the living God, come and speak to us by your Spirit and showing us life and joy and blessing and peace. Would you lead us in this for your glory? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.